volume two chapter eighteen of travels in the interior of africa by mungo park this librivox recording is in the public domain despairing thoughts arrival at sibi dulu on my arrival at tafra i inquired for the duty but was informed that he had died a few days before my arrival and that there was at that moment a meeting of the chief men for electing another there being some dispute about the succession it was probably owing to this unsettled state of the town that i experienced such a want of hospitality in it for though i informed the inhabitants that i should only remain with them for one night and assured them that mansong had given me some cowries to pay for my lodging yet no person invited me to come in and i was forced to sit alone under the bentang tree exposed to the rain and wind of a tornado which lasted with great violence until midnight at this time the stranger who had assisted me in crossing the river paid me a visit and observing that i had not found a lodging invited me to take part of his supper which he had brought to the door of his hut for being a guest himself he could not without his landlord's consent invite me to come in after this i slept upon some wet grass in the corner of a court my horse fared still worse than myself the corn i purchased being all expended and i could not procure a supply august twentieth i passed the town of jabba and stopped a few minutes at a village called somino where i begged and obtained some coarse food which the natives prepare from the husks of corn and call boo about two o'clock i came to the village of suha and endeavoured to purchase some corn from the duty who was sitting by the gate but without success i then requested a little food by way of charity but was told he had none to spare whilst i was examining the countenance of this inhospitable old man and endeavouring to find out the cause of the sullen discontent which was visible in his eye he called to a slave who was working in the cornfield at a little distance and ordered him to bring his hoe along with him the duty then told him to dig a hole in the ground pointing to a spot at no great distance the slave with his hoe began to dig a pit in the earth and the duty who appeared to be a man of very fretful disposition kept muttering and talking to himself until the pit was almost finished when he repeatedly pronounced the words danaku good for nothing jankra lemon a real plague which expressions i thought could be applied to nobody but myself and as the pit had very much the appearance of a grave i thought it prudent to mount my horse and was about to decamp when the slave who had before gone into the village 
to my surprise returned with the corpse of a boy about nine or ten years of age quite naked the negro carried the boy by a leg and an arm and threw it into the pit with a savage indifference which i had never before seen as he covered the body with earth the duty often expressed himself napula attain inata money lost whence i concluded that the boy had been one of his slaves departing from this shocking scene i travelled by the side of the river until sunset when i came to kulikoru a considerable town and a great market for salt here i took up my lodging at the house of a bambaran who had formerly been the slave of a moor and in the character had travelled to aron taudini and many other places in the great desert but turning mussulman and his master dying at jenne he obtained his freedom and settled at this place where he carries on a considerable trade in salt cotton cloth etc his knowledge of the world had not lessened that superstitious confidence in safis and charms which he had imbibed in his earlier years for when he heard that i was a christian he immediately thought of procuring a safi and for this purpose brought out his waha or writing board assuring me that he would dress me a supper of rice if i would write him a safi to protect him from wicked men the proposal was of too great consequence to me to be refused i therefore wrote the board full from top to bottom on both sides and my landlord to be certain of having the whole force of the charm washed the writing from the board in a calabash with a little water and having said a few prayers over it drank this powerful draught after which lest a single word should escape he licked the board until it was quite dry a safi writer was a man of too great consequence to be long concealed the important information was carried to the duty who sent his son with half a sheet of writing paper desiring me to write a naphula safi a charm to procure wealth he brought me as a present some meal and milk and when i had finished the safi and read it to him with an audible voice he seemed highly satisfied with his bargain and promised to bring me in the morning some milk for my breakfast when i had finished my supper of rice and salt i laid myself down upon a bullock's hide and slept very quietly until morning this being the first good meal and refreshing sleep that i had enjoyed for a long time august twenty first at daybreak i departed from kulikoru and about noon passed the villages of kayu and tulumbo in the afternoon i arrived at marabu a large town and like kulikoro famous for its trade in salt i was conducted to the house of a kartan of the tribe of jawar by whom i was well received
this man had acquired a considerable property in the slave trade and from his hospitality to strangers was called by way of pre-eminence jati the landlord and his house was sort of public inn for all travellers those who had money were well lodged for they always made him some return for his kindness but those who had nothing to give were content to accept whatever he thought proper and as i could not rank myself among the moneyed men i was happy to take up my lodging in the same but with seven poor fellows who had come from kankaba in a canoe but our landlord sent us some victuals august twenty second one of the landlord's servants went with me a little way from the town to show me what road to take but whether from ignorance or design i know not he directed me wrong and i did not discover my mistake until the day was far advanced when coming to a deep creek i had some thoughts of turning back but as by that means i foresaw that i could not possibly reach bamaku before night i resolved to cross it and leading my horse close to the brink i went behind him and pushed him headlong into the water and then taking the bridle in my teeth swam over to the other side about four o'clock in the afternoon having altered my course from the river towards the mountains i came to a small pathway which led to a village called frukabu where i slept august twenty third early in the morning i set out for bamaku at which place i arrived about five o'clock in the afternoon i had heard bamaku much talked of as a great market for salt and i felt rather disappointed to find it only a middling town not quite so large as marabou however the smallness of its size is more than compensated by the richness of its inhabitants for when the moors bring their salt through karta or bambara they constantly rest a few days at this place and the negro merchants here who are well acquainted with the value of salt in different kingdoms frequently purchase by wholesale and retail it to great advantage here i lodged at the house of a surawoli negro and was visited by a number of moors they spoke very good mandingo and were more civil to me than their countrymen had been one of them had travelled to rio grande and spoke very highly of the christians he sent me in the evening some boiled rice and milk i now endeavoured to procure information concerning my route to the westward from a slave merchant who had resided some years on the gambia he gave me some imperfect account of the distance and enumerated the names of great many places that lay in the way but withheld told me that the road was impassable at this season of the year he was even afraid he said that i should find great difficulty in proceeding any farther as the road crossed the joliba 
at a town about a half day's journey to the westward of bamako and there being no canoes at that place large enough to receive my horse i could not possibly get over for some months to come this was an obstruction of very serious nature but as i had no money to maintain myself even for a few days i resolved to push on and if i could not convey my horse across the river to abandon him and swim over myself in thoughts of this nature i passed the night and in the morning consulted with my landlord how i should surmount the present difficulty he informed me that one road still remained which was indeed very rocky and scarcely passable for horses but that if i had a proper guide over the hills to a town called Sibidulu, he had no doubt but with patience and caution i might travel forwards through manding i immediately applied to the duty and was informed that a jili kia singing man was about to depart for sibidulu and would show me the road over the hills with this man who undertook to be my conductor i travelled up a rocky glen about two miles when we came to a small village and here my musical fellow-traveller found out that he had brought me the wrong road he told me that the horse road lay on the other side of the hill and throwing his drum on his back mounted up the rocks where indeed no horse could follow him leaving me to admire his agility and trace out a road for myself as i found it impossible to proceed i rode back to the level ground and directing my course to the eastward came about noon to another glen and discovered a path on which i observed the marks of horses feet following this path i came in a short time to some shepherds huts where i was informed that i was on the right road but that i could not possibly reach sibiadulu before night a little before sunset i descended on the northwest side of this ridge of hills and as i was looking about for a convenient tree under which to pass the night for i had no hopes of reaching any town i descended into a delightful valley and soon afterwards arrived at a romantic village called kuma this village is surrounded by a high wall and is the sole property of a mandingo merchant who fled hither with his family during a former war the adjacent fields yield him plenty of corn his cattle roam at large in the valley and the rocky hills secure him from the depredations of war in this obscure retreat he is seldom visited by strangers but whenever this happens he makes the weary traveller welcome i soon found myself surrounded by a circle of the harmless villagers they asked a thousand questions about my country and in return for my information brought corn and milk for myself and grass for my horse kindled a fire in a hut where i was to sleep 
and appeared very anxious to serve me august twenty fifth i departed from kuma accompanied by two shepherds who were going towards sibi dulu the road was very steep and rocky and as my horse had hurt his feet much in coming from bambaku he travelled slowly and with great difficulty for in many places the ascent was so sharp and the declivities so great that if he made one false step he must inevitably have been dashed to pieces the shepherds being anxious to proceed gave themselves little trouble about me or my horse and kept walking on at a considerable distance it was about eleven o'clock as i stopped to drink a little water at a rivulet my companions being near a quarter of a mile before me that i heard some people calling to each other and presently a loud screaming as from a person in great distress i immediately conjectured that a lion had taken one of the shepherds and mounted my horse to have a better view of what had happened the noise however ceased and i rode slowly towards the place from whence i thought it had proceeded calling out but without receiving an answer in a little time however i perceived one of the shepherds lying among the long grass near the road and thought i could see no blood upon him i concluded he was dead but when i came close to him he whispered to me to stop telling me that a party of armed men had seized upon his companion and shot two arrows at himself as he was making his escape i stopped to consider what course to take and looking round saw at a little distance a man sitting upon a stump of a tree i distinguished also the heads of six or seven more sitting among the grass with muskets in their hands i had now no hopes of escaping and therefore determined to ride forward towards them as i approached them i was in hopes they were elephant hunters and by way of opening the conversation i inquired if they had shot anything but without returning an answer one of them ordered me to dismount and then as if recollecting himself waved with his hand for me to proceed i accordingly rode past and had with some difficulty crossed a deep rivulet when i heard somebody hola and looking behind saw those i had taken for elephant hunters running after me and calling out to me to turn back i stopped until they were all come up when they informed me that the king of the fulas had sent them on purpose to bring me my horse and everything that belonged to me to fuladu and that therefore i must turn back and go along with them without hesitating a moment i turned round and followed them and we travelled together nearly a quarter of a mile without exchanging a word when coming to a dark place in a wood one of them said in a mandingo language this place will do 
and immediately snatched my hat from my head though i was by no means free of apprehension yet i resolved to show as few signs of fear as possible and therefore told them that unless my hat was returned to me i should proceed no farther but before i had time to receive an answer another drew his knife and seizing upon a metal button which remained upon my waistcoat cut it off and put it into his pocket their intentions were obvious and i thought that the easier they were permitted to rob me of everything the less i had to fear i therefore allowed them to search my pockets without resistance and examine every part of my apparel which they did with the most scrupulous exactness but observing that i had one waistcoat under another they insisted that i should cast them both off and at last to make sure work they stripped me quite naked even my half-boots though the sole of one of them was tied on to my foot with a broken bridle rein were minutely inspected whilst they were examining the plunder i begged them with great earnestness to return my pocket compass but when i pointed it out to them as i was lying on the ground one of the banditti thinking i was about to take it up cocked his musket and swore that he would lay me dead upon the spot if i presumed to put my hand upon it after this some of them went away with my horse and the remainder stood considering whether they should leave me quite naked or allow me something to shelter me from the sun humanity at last prevailed they returned me the worst of the two shirts and a pair of trousers and as they went away one of them threw back my hat in the crown of which i kept my memorandums and this was probably the reason they did not wish to keep it after they were gone i sat for some time looking round me with amazement and terror whichever way i turned nothing appeared but danger and difficulty i saw myself in the midst of a vast wilderness in the depth of the rainy season naked and alone surrounded by savage animals and men still more savage i was five hundred miles from the nearest european settlement all these circumstances crowded at once on my recollection and i confess that my spirits began to fail me i considered my fate as certain and that i had no alternative but to lie down and perish the influence of religion however aided and supported me i reflected that no human prudence or foresight could possibly have averted my present sufferings i was indeed a stranger in a strange land yet i was still under the protecting eye of that providence who has con condescended to call himself the stranger's friend at this moment painful as my recollections were the extraordinary beauty of a small moss in fructification irresistibly caught my eye 
i mention this to show from what trifling circumstances the mind will sometimes derive consolation for though the whole plant was not larger than the top of one of my fingers i could not contemplate the delicate conformation of its roots leaves and capsula without admiration can that being thought i who planted watered and brought to perfection in this obscure part of the world a thing which appears of so small importance look within uncertain upon the situation and sufferings of creatures formed after his own image surely not reflections like these would not allow me to despair i started up and disregarding both hunger and fatigue travelled forwards assured that relief was at hand and i was not disappointed in a short time i came to a small village at the entrance of which i overtook the two shepherds who had come with me from kuma they were much surprised to see me for they said they never doubted that the fulas when they had robbed had murdered me departing from the village we travelled over several rocky ridges and at sunset arrived at sibidulu the frontier town of the kingdom of manding end of volume two chapter eighteen